Well, hey, we are going to now jump into part five of our series that we're calling Suit Up. We're talking about the full armor of God, and we are going to reread Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 20. This is the text that we've been talking about because basically what we've got is a spiritual battle that's going on, and you are in a spiritual battle. If you know it or not, you are subject to spiritual battles if you want to be or not. But the good news is that the believer in Jesus Christ has been given the tools we need by God to be able to fight the spiritual battle and win. The thing we need to do is actually put on the full armor of God. It's there ready for us. We need to learn how to put on this armor and actually put it on. Let's reread Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20. And we'll get into today the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So this is our text, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Last week, we talked about putting on the breastplate of righteousness in week four. Uh, we looked at three errors that happen with putting on the breastplate of righteousness. The first one is trying to do God's job, trying to justify yourself, trying to prove yourself to God. Now we're just clothed in Christ's righteousness. We just receive that. Error number two is not doing your job, but now you do have to try to live right. You have to try to do the right thing. And then third error with putting on the breastplate of righteousness is substituting self-righteousness for righteousness. And you can get caught up if you weren't here for that sermon. You can check that in the sermon archives. This week, the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So here's the question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you chomping at the bit? Are you excited? Are you ready? Or are you not ready? Not prepared? Unmotivated? Ill-equipped for battle? Complacent and afraid? Where are you at? Are you ready, equipped with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace or not? Are you unprepared? Our vision statement here at Good Hope Church is reach up, rise up, reach out. And there's three parts there, of course. Reach up, a real relationship with the living God is available to you. Rise up, a real relationship with the living God will change you. And then reach out, a real relationship with the living God is a call to action. 
This is what this part of the full armor of God is all about. It's a call to action, being ready to go forward, feet fitted with the readiness. This is talking about moving, going somewhere, getting something done, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. A real relationship with the living God is a call to action. So let's dig into this Ephesians 6, 15 and try to grab hold of the truth of it. So let me read Ephesians uh, 6, 15 one more time. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So as we dissect this, the first question I want to ask is, what is the gospel of peace? So if our feet are going to be fitted with this readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, uh, other translations, uh, the preparation of the gospel of peace, just talking about this gospel of peace, making us prepared, making us ready. What is this gospel of peace? Well, let's go to Romans chapter 10. We're going to read verses 8 through 13 to grab hold of this. So Romans 10, starting in verse 8, says this. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is the great gospel of peace, the message of the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is forgiveness of sins and redemption for those who call on the name of the Lord. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about what this gospel of peace is, because really it is the place where the love of God and the justice of God meet. Uh, His heart breaks for those who are far from him, those who have turned away from God, those who have never known God, but are only caught up in the darkness of this world. God's heart breaks for them, but they are distant from God. Also, God is just. That means that when we do things wrong, when we hurt other people, when we sin, that there needs to be a consequence for that. Of course, we naturally feel justice in our hearts. When someone wrongs us or someone wrongs someone we love, we see an egregious wrong happen. We have a natural inclination to want that wrong to be righted. This is just the same thing that is in the heart of God. God has a heart for justice. So God is full of love and God is also just, full of justice. So what happens to us? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All require justice to bring condemnation on them. You know, we've all sinned. Basically, some people are unsure, you know, what, what terrible thing did I do? Well, here's what God's trying to do. He's trying to create a kingdom that 
is perfect in every way where there's no sin, no pain, no sickness, no darkness lasts forever. That's full of creative, free-willed, intelligent beings. And the problem that arises from that is creative, intelligent, free-willed beings have a tendency to create evil. They create pain. They hurt each other. They do things that destroy this plan of a, a sinless perfect, beautiful world. And so if you're going to create evil, you're going to create pain for other people. You can't participate in the kingdom of God or you'll ruin it. So the justice of God requires that those who, who sin, who fail to be able to participate in that great kingdom of God, they must be destroyed. But the love of God wants to include us. You know, if you Let's say you just, you say something bad about somebody. Is somebody going to say something bad about you in heaven? Of course not. Is somebody going to steal from you in heaven? Of course not. Somebody going to look down on you in heaven? Of course not. So if we do those things, we can't participate. We can't be there because we'll ruin it. Uh, but God's heart still breaks for us and he wants to include us. So God's justice requires that payment be made for the sin, but God's love wants to bring us in. So how does that get reconciled in the great plan of God through history? Well, it's through the gospel and it's through redemption. Forgiveness is where the sin is, is forgiven. The debt is forgiven. Redemption is where the price is paid for you. It's not just erased, but the price is paid by someone else. And this is the great gospel of peace that Jesus, the son of God, the alpha and the omega would come from heaven, be born in a manger, grow up as a child and then become a teacher and explain the things of God to the people, tell us the truths of God, that he would live a sinless life and that then he would pay the price for sin. He would go to the cross. He would be scourged and falsely accused and brought to destruction so that we could have that price paid for us. And the justice of God would be met through the condemnation of Christ on the cross, but the love of God would be extended to us and we would be able to be free from the consequence of our sin in our relationship with God and be able to be reconciled with God, receive forgiveness of sins through that redemption and then have a life with God here and everlasting life with God in the paradise to come. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of peace. It is the redemption of mankind. And this is where we receive peace because we know we're made right with God, not because of how awesome we are, but because of the love of God for us and the justification through Christ that we can have. It's where we receive peace purpose in going forward in life. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of peace. So the gospel of peace gets us ready, a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. How is it that the gospel of peace makes us ready? that we are ready to go. We're ready to get something done. We're ready to go forward. We're prepared. How does the gospel of peace make us prepared? Well, let's keep reading in Romans 10. So we, we read through Romans 10, 13. Now we're going to read verses 14 and 15. So let's get a look at Romans 10, 14. How then can they call on the one 
they have not believed in. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It transitions directly from you receiving to they need. When we read verses 9 and 10, we see the word you. So let's go back, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Let's read these again and look for the word you. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. So here clearly in Romans 10, 9 and 10, the apostle Paul is talking to you. He's talking to us as individuals that we can receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can be saved. That's what we want. But then just a few verses later in verses 14 and 15, look for the word they. Verse 14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. One of the things that is so important about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is once I receive it and I see how wonderful it is for me, it will compel me to then want to share it with other people. Yes, I want to be saved. I want to receive the forgiveness of God, the redemption through Christ. But then when I am redeemed, I want to share it with them that they need to hear. They need to understand. So the readiness of the gospel of peace is a compulsion that comes when we receive the good news of the gospel. When we understand the plan God has for us, the love that that there is for us from God, that God is real and that we can have a real relationship with him. Then we see other people that need that relationship and we are compelled to bring that relationship, bring that truth to them. The gospel is a precious, precious thing, but it is not to be hoarded. It is to be shared. The gospel is precious. It's wonderful. It's beautiful, but we can't hoard the gospel. We can't keep it for ourselves. We have to share it with others. Now, the great thing about the gospel is when you share it with others, you get more of it. You know, when you share the goodness of God with other people, you get more of the goodness of God. You don't lose out by sharing the gospel. You increase by sharing the gospel, but it's part of the plan. So are you ready to do your part to share the good news of the gospel of peace? You know, if you are, I encourage you to share the link for this online church service. Share that. It might be hard to invite somebody to church, you know, especially if you live a little bit away from where we meet. But let me tell you, you can share a link, put it on your Facebook page, Uh, invite some people to watch this sermon, to watch this church service. You can share. If you're ready, it's not hard to do. If you're not ready, if you're unsure, then it's difficult. When I was a brand new believer, it was difficult for me to share my faith because I was very worried that I would be rejected. I thought people wouldn't believe that they would think I was just a goofball, The people that I interacted with didn't have high opinions of Christians. And so it was a difficult thing for me to share my faith. 
But at the same time, I had a deep, deep desire for those that I knew and those that I loved to see God and to know God, to love God. It was a deep, deep desire. I just didn't know how to share it. Now some years have gone by and I'm able to communicate a little bit better, but that heart for people to know God has not diminished. My desire to see people know God is still there. Now let's go to Romans 10, 15. Let's read that one more time. How can anyone preach unless they are sent? So, hey, thank you for sending me. Thank you for giving. Appreciate it. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, this is a callback to Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. Let's read that. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. In Romans, the apostle Paul is quoting Isaiah 52, 7. In Ephesians chapter 6, the apostle Paul is talking about the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And here we see the good news, which is the same as gospel. That just means good news. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace. So the the gospel of peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, Just like Romans 10 there talking about being saved, salvation, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Now, Isaiah 52, 7, you know, it's a, it's a quotable verse, especially because we see it in both the Old Testament and the New Testament as there's that callback in Romans 10. But I want to get some context here. I want to look at what the situation was. Basically, one thing that's really interesting about the scriptures is that Our lives, our individual lives, your life, often will parallel the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, We have the nation of Israel, you know, going into Egypt, being in bondage, but then breaking free from that bondage and trying to get into the promised land. But there's obstacles and difficulties and delays. And and so often our life is like that. We're bound and we're held back, but then we break free, but we see big obstacles and we have to have faith in God to overcome those obstacles to get to the promised land. And this is another example of how our lives sometimes can parallel the situation for the nation of Israel. So I want to get the context of Isaiah 52, seven by going and reading Isaiah 52 verses one through 10. It's a beautiful picture of the redemption and the salvation of the Lord. So Isaiah 52, starting in verse one. Awake, awake Zion, clothe yourself with strength, put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city, the uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust, rise up, sit enthroned, Jerusalem, free yourself from the chains on your neck, daughter Zion, now a captive. For this is what the Lord says, you were sold for nothing and without money, you will be redeemed. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. At first, my people went down to Egypt to live. Lately, Assyria has oppressed them. So the Lord is reminding the nation of Israel of their time in Egypt, but then also referencing the current situation, which is the oppression of Assyria. So verse five. 
And now what do I have here, declares the Lord. For my people have been taken away for nothing. And those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. All day long, my name is constantly blasphemed. So we see that the nation of Israel is in a terrible situation. They've been sold for nothing, as it says, meaning that they've been taken away. They're under oppression and there's been no positive thing. They, they weren't sold for a price. They were sold for nothing, but they are going to be redeemed, not with money. And of course, as we look into the New Testament, we know that the redemption that comes from the blood of Christ is not a redemption that comes from money being paid, but from the debt of sin being paid. Let's continue to read verse six. Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So Isaiah 52, seven is saying, you're going to be set free from the oppression of Assyria, from the captivity. You're going to be free. You're going to get back to that place of splendor, back to that place of strength. So this is a proclamation of the goodness of God, the salvation of God, good tidings, peace, good news that the Lord reigns. Verse eight, listen, your watchmen lift up their voices together. They shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. What an amazing section of scripture from Isaiah chapter 52. But this speaks to the receiving of salvation for us. That whatever horrible situation you're in, and even if you had a part to play, the nation of Israel was oppressed by Assyria because they had wandered from God. They wandered from God and they found themselves in a terrible situation. But the good news is that the salvation of the Lord is waiting and ready for us. We can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. It's available to us. We can receive that just like the nation of Israel received that and was set free and the walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt and the nation was brought back to strength. So you as an individual can be rebuilt and brought back to strength. And when that happens, it fills you with joy and it's exciting and it's wonderful. But the natural response should be the godly response should be to want to share that. So other people can have the same experience that your feet would be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, to share the gospel, to help other people, to bring them in to the good graces of God. So we want to receive freely. We want to grab hold of the good things of God but then realize that there are others who need the Lord. And then we help. We do our part. So are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you chomping at the bit to get the gospel of peace out there? The readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Are you ready? If you're not quite ready, don't worry. You know, if you're new in the faith, you might not feel ready. I wanted to share the gospel, but I certainly wasn't ready in my early years Now I'm better at it, but sometimes it's still difficult to share in in environments that are oppositional, but God loves everyone and we need to bring the truth of God everywhere. Try to do that tactfully and all that. 
But are you ready? If you don't feel ready because you're new in the faith, don't worry. Spend more time receiving. Spend time grabbing hold of the good things of God. Letting God change your life. Because the more God does for you, the more personal experience you'll have to share with other people. It's not about memorizing some plan that I give you so that you can share the gospel with someone. It's about receiving the good things of God. It's about experiencing life of walking with God. And then just letting people know how that works. And once you learn some of these things of God, guiding people through the same thing. We see this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Jesus is sending out his disciples to go do some work. And he says this to them, among many other things. But he says this, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. If you are new to the faith or you haven't given your life to Christ yet to to receive forgiveness and to serve him, then what you need to do right now is receive. Receive the good things of God. Grab hold of those good things of God. Get strengthened and redeemed and brought up to that place. That's what you need because then when you get there, you're naturally going to want to help other people. So if you're not ready yet, receive. But then when God does something for you, Share it. Share what Jesus means to you. Share what Jesus has done for you. Share what the Lord has done in your life. Just be you, let people know, and then help out however you can for the kingdom of God. So let's recap Ephesians 6.15. Again, Ephesians 6.15 says, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Part of putting on the full armor of God. We don't want to miss any pieces of the armor of God. We want to make sure that our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace so that we can take our stand when the day of evil comes. We need to be ready. We need to be part of advancing the kingdom of God, part of advancing the gospel of peace because we're ready, we're prepared, we're able to go forward with the gospel and do our part. Now, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, when I was a new believer, I understood readiness. So as we see, you know, supposed to be ready or in King James, you know, preparation, preparation of the gospel of peace, being prepared. It's the same as being ready and implies that when the opportunity comes, you can go, you can do it. You can go forward. I understood readiness, but I didn't understand peace. Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I understood the gospel that I needed to be ready, but I didn't understand the peace part. We talk about that for a minute here. You know, there are tensions inside of Christianity. As we seek to serve God and understand God, there are, there are things that seem to pull one way and pull another way. And this readiness and peace for me was a tension. I didn't know how to have peace and be ready at the same time. How can I have peace When there are people dying without Jesus, how can I just relax and enjoy my life when there are so many needs and so many hurting people? It didn't work for me when I was a new pastor was trying to take a day off. If you, if you know my wife, Trinette, ask her how days off were. They were not good. I just basically pace and wait for them to be over. Uh, I, I did not rest. I didn't relax. I didn't have peace. 
I was ready because I knew the need was there. I saw people that needed Jesus. They needed freedom. They needed to understand that they were loved by a creator God. They needed to understand who they truly were and they didn't. So it broke my heart and I was ready to go, but I didn't have peace. And yet we're called to have peace. And now as some years have gone by, I've realized that peace is part of sharing the gospel. Freely you have received anxiety. (laughs) Freely you have received uh, a burden for the world that is crushing you. No, freely I need to receive the peace of God in the midst of the call of God. I need to receive the peace of God in the midst of being ready with the gospel so that I can share the peace of God too. Not just share the sense of desperation to rescue people and to help people and to free people through Christ, but also to walk in peace, to walk in joy, to walk in the midst of this dark world with all its harshness and difficulty, but walking in peace, trusting God and only needing to do my part, not thinking I have to do everything. I remember when I heard there were 2.3 billion Christians on the planet. My thought was, well, I guess it's all not up to me then. (laughs) I'll do my piece. I can do my part of it. And when I've done my part, I can walk in the peace of God. The gospel is not just a gospel about being ready. It's also a gospel about having peace. But I see some people, they experience this tension in the other way. They think to themselves, well, how can I serve God? It's inconvenient. How can I serve God? It involves sacrifice. How can I serve God when I don't really want to? And they, they don't want to go forward. They don't want to have the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. They just don't even want to participate at all. They want to go to heaven, but they certainly aren't ready. They certainly aren't prepared. They certainly aren't chomping at the bit to bring the goodness of God to this world, to help that one, to help that community, to help that nation. They're certainly not interested in that at all. And I hope that's not you, but if you're experiencing this tension And you can see that you're not quite ready. You're more not wanting to disrupt your own personal peace. And you're not ready to sacrifice for the kingdom of God, to make a difference, to accept that call to action because you think it's inconvenient or too much sacrifice or it'll cause some other problem in your life. You're not ready because you know you might lose some peace. I believe that's a vision problem. We need to value other people more than we value ourselves. You need to value yourself. You need to care about yourself. You need to take care of yourself. Absolutely. Jesus loves you. So should you. Um, But we need to love others. Jesus loves them. So should we. So we need to value others and honor Jesus. I want to, our last scripture that we're going to read is Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three. I want to read these verses. I've got a couple more questions for you. And then we're going to close in prayer. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse one says this. This is a lot about being ready and advancing the gospel, doing what we've been called to do and how we need to see it. Hebrews 12, one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus. So we're back to the gospel. We're back to what Jesus has done for us. The good news, 
Jesus was a man of peace and a man of sacrifice. Jesus was willing to go to the cross because he loved this world and the broken people in it so much that he was willing to pay the price for their sin. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We need to not grow weary. We need to not lose heart, but we need to continue doing good. We need to continue advancing the gospel. We need to stay strong. If you've been serving the Lord for decades, maybe you've gotten to this place where you've grown weary and lost heart. And you've thought, well, what difference does it make anyway? You know, I tried and tried and tried and doesn't seem to be any results. Let me tell you, the la- your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Keep at it. Learn lessons. Learn how to be more effective and productive. Absolutely. You can do that. But don't lose heart. Look at what Jesus was willing to do. Look at what the Lord was willing to do to benefit other people. So let's keep our vision on what the Lord did and keep our vision on the needs of other people while we endeavor to walk in peace. So let's pray. If you're a believer, you've been following Jesus for a while. I want you to be activated in your faith. I want you to be leaning in your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I want you to be ready, prepared, chomping at the bit to serve the Lord, to make a difference. So I'm going to pray for you along those lines. And if you don't know Jesus, if you're, you know, maybe you're just part of a Christian culture. And so you kind of like, yeah, I guess I believe in God, whatever, but you haven't made a real connection with God. You haven't really made Jesus your Lord and savior. Then I want you to come in. Because the gospel of peace is for you. doesn't matter where you're from, what you've done. It matters what Jesus has done for you. So let's pray. Let's believe God for something good. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing us how to put on your full armor. Thank you that you don't leave us here abandoned in the spiritual battle, but you show us your full armor so that we can take our stand and we can be protected in this dark world. But Lord, it seems like there's a lot to it, putting on this full armor. And Lord, for those who are listening right now, who have been believers for a while, and they've kind of lost their readiness, they're not active in pursuing your gospel, in bringing your gospel to the world, and in serving you in active ways. Lord, I pray that you would activate their faith right now. You would help them to see your plan and their part in it. Lord, help them not to try to do somebody else's part in your plan and help them not to carry too heavy of a load. But Lord, don't let them go absent without leave and make that burden fall on someone else. But Lord, give them a heart for others and a heart for you. And Lord, for those who have not made a commitment to serve you, not given their lives to you, not opened themselves up to you as their Lord and Savior. If that's you right now, I just want you to pray. I want you to ask the Lord because he will forgive you whatever you've done in the past that has separated you from God, that makes you feel like you're not worthy of walking with God. Any of that stuff, the cross takes that away when we ask for it to be removed, but then we must walk with God. So we ask for forgiveness and then we pledge our lives to follow him. So just pray something along these lines, make it real between you and God, but something along the lines of heavenly father, 
I believe in you. And I believe in what your son Jesus has done on the cross for me. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Free me from my past. Free me from all of that stuff that has held me back. And let me walk with you. Lord, I pledge my life to you. I pledge to serve you, to see other people through your eyes, to learn your ways, and to share your truth with others. Father, let your goodness come. Lord, I pray for each one that's listening again. I pray your peace would be upon each one. Lord, that your joy would give us strength. And Father, that we would know how much you care so that we can be filled with your love and be able to share that love with anyone in this world who needs it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.